Hello, this is Anne Teato of the Psychic Matters podcast. Welcome to episode number 62. I have just returned from a trip to Ireland where I was visiting my mother who's 89. It was really, truly lovely to see her. And I was also teaching in Dublin, invited over by spiritual medium Susan Hughes. And we delivered a beautiful weekend workshop called The Extraordinary Medium in Dublin. Do keep an eye on Susan Hughes' website and her Facebook page because we will be offering further workshops in Dublin together because we had such a great time. So if you are an Irish listener and you are living in Ireland and you love to come along to one of our workshops, we will be announcing those uh, shortly. And of course, if you live in England or Scotland or the Isle of Man, you're very, very welcome to come over to Dublin and join us when those are announced. Uh, I think we're going to do one in August and then we're going to offer another program in the spring. So watch this space, as they say. If you go to my website, anteato.com, you can sign up for my newsletter, which comes out twice a month, basically just telling you when the next podcast is released to remind you to listen to it and who my guest is. Uh, But on the bottom of those emails that I send out twice a month, I always list my current courses. So if you're interested in studying with me, joining my development circle, joining my scrying and ancient divination circle, or any of the other courses that I'm offering in Ireland, Scotland, in England and online, then do sign up for my newsletter and then you won't uh, miss out. You'll be able to know what I'm up to. So that's anteato.com, A-N-N-T-H-E-A-T-O.com. And now I want to introduce you to my guest this week, psychic medium Sandy Byrne. Sandy comes from generation upon generation upon generation of readers. Her family, her grandmother, her great-grandmother, All of them were readers before her and she grew up with this natural ability and this acceptance within her family that her innate gifts were to be cherished and to be celebrated. She's with us in the studio today to let us know what it's like growing up in a family where your gifts are instantly accepted. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today. She's a psychic medium and she comes from generation upon generation of readers. Sandy Byrne, welcome to Psychic Matters. Thank you, Anne. It's great to be here and thank you for the invite. It's so lovely to meet you, Sandy. And you live very close to my mum. My mum lives in Ireland and I've told my listeners that I'm over here visiting her at the moment. So it's really beautiful. And we're hoping to meet up later in the week. So that could be quite exciting, yes. uh, COVID allowing. Let's talk about your ancestry, Sandy, because I find that really, really fascinating that you come from this generation of women possibly men, let us know about that, Mm -hmm. um, who have read and read and read over the centuries, over the centuries. And for many of us, we have been stopped in our tracks. We've been told we're not allowed to read. It's it's wrong. It's, it's, uh, you know, all of all the rest of it. So I'm really interested to talk to you about being accepted from the moment you were born. Sure. Well, um, I, as you say, I come from Ireland and I'm from Tipperary, which for people who aren't familiar with Ireland, I call it the belly button of Ireland. So if you see Ireland like a teddy bear, Tipperary is the belly button of Ireland. And my family are from Tipperary going back generations. And yes, as you say, um, many, many generations of readers. And, you know, people will know that historically Ireland was a very Christian and, and mainly Catholic country. So where I'm from in Thurles, 
This is where all the priests used to be trained. So as I was growing up and I went to convent school for 13 years, every morning you would walk past the cathedral and right across the road was the college for the priests. So you would see hundreds of student priests processing across the road to go to mass early in the morning. So this wasn't um, an environment where you talked um, openly about seeing dead people. Okay, and I always say to people that I really um, would have preferred to be schizophrenic and I'm not dissing anybody who who may be schizophrenic. But, um, you know, the religious upbringing and the religion we were taught in school would have made me think that I was schizophrenic more than seeing um, people who had passed. So the fact that I had my grandmother, who was a psychic, was so great. Um, So my grandmother on my mother's side, she was Mary O'Brien when she was married, but she was Mary Keating from a village called Dundrum in Tipperary, or Caton, as we say in in Tipperary. It's spelled Keating, but we say Caton. And um, her mother was also a reader. And her mother before her was a reader. So the last three generations, now I know before um, that they were also readers, but I am obviously I don't have any memory of them. And my mother didn't know her great grandmother. She was passed before my mother would remember, but she was also a reader. So from my mother, I know a lot about, say, my great grandmother, my great grandparents. And you talk about I have a funny story, if I can share it with you, about my uh, great grandfather great-grandfather on my grandfather's side of the family, all with my mother's family. My great-grandfather and his father, actually, uh, his grandfather is buried at the Rock of Cashel, which you might have heard. It's a very famous castle here in Ireland. He died. He was gassed in um, the war, in World War One, and he um, died, I think he was 42 years of age. Uh, he was brought home from France very sick, but he only made it as far as Dublin before he passed away. Um, so he's buried in the Rock of Cashel, and that's where my grandfather came from, was Cashel. And um, so his um, father, he used to see spirit a lot. Okay, and he came from a small little village just outside Cashel. And he was at the time the person in the village that used to prepare bodies for burial. So back in those days, they didn't necessarily have undertakers like we do now. And this was done by somebody in the village. So he was the man who used to prepare the bodies. So one night he was at home and they lived in a cottage, basically in the middle of a field. You know, it was that kind of an environment. And he couldn't sleep one night and he was up pacing around the house and he made himself a cup of tea. And then he looked out of the bedroom window and he could see he saw the banshee leaving his neighbor's house. So he knew that his neighbor hadn't felt well, but there was no expectation that this man was going to pass away. So um, for those who who haven't heard, I'm not sure, maybe you've discussed it in the past. So the banshee would be a spirit and she's supposed to visit people um, to let them know that death is coming. So she follows anybody with an O or a Mac in their name. So my granddad's family were all O'Briens. So he saw the banshee leaving this house. And he um, got himself ready and strapped his bag to the back of his bicycle. He didn't have a car. And he headed on towards the neighbor's house. Now, I say the neighbor's house. He was, a, you know, a couple of miles away across the fields. And on the way, he met the priest who was who was driving his car down the road. And the priest said to him, oh, I was just coming to see you. He said, because so-and-so has just passed. He says, oh, I know. Yeah, he said, I'm on my way. 
And he said, how did you know? So he had to explain to the priest that he saw the banshees. So this was outrageous to the, to the priest. But he was well known for being able, I know it sounds terrible, but knowing in advance that people were going to pass. So he was always there to help um, with the passing at the moment of passing. So he was very well known in the area back in the day. Gosh, that's amazing. Great story. <laughs> and um, so, yes, so I suppose my own journey starting from when I don't remember a time where I didn't see spirit. OK, and I think, you know, if you were to talk to a lot of children when they're young, they would also have similar stories of seeing people or things happening. I mean, for example, I don't believe in imaginary friends. I believe it's our spirit guides or spirit relatives around us. So because there was this understanding within our family that, you know, spirit were always around us, we never, nobody ever said to me, you're imagining it, or you can't talk about those things or anything. It was always very welcome. And it was brought into the conversation. So for example, even though I lost my grandmother when I was seven, I do have a lot of memories of her because she was so helpful to me in, um, at that point of my life. So if I was at my grandmother's house or whatever, and you know, sometimes the door would open, you know, sometimes the door would push open randomly. My grandmother would always say, oh, come in and sit down and join us. And she would literally put an extra cup on the table and fill it with tea. You know, so she would welcome the spirits into the house always. And she had a great way of seeing them as well. So as I say, she originally came from a village. She uh, moved here after she got married to Thurless, but she came from a village called Dundrum. And her mother was a um, very, very well-known uh, palm reader and medium. And um, there is a story from when my grandmother was very young. I think she was about 13 or 14. And the neighbor was ill. So it very Irish thing. You'd make a pot of stew or a casserole or some food and you'd bring it to the house, you know, to help out uh, to make sure everybody was fed while the lady of the house was sick. So my grandmother had made a big pot of stew and she headed off with um, my great grandmother, big parent, had made a big pot of stew and herself and my grandmother headed on down to the neighbor's house. And on the way, uh, they met the neighbor. Uh, on the street, you know, on the road, uh, and they had a chat with her. And um, my great grandmother said to my grandmother, really go home and get me my bag. So she was also someone that would have helped out, you know, to lay somebody out, whatever. And um, my grandmother um, ran home and then came back and met the two and the women were just saying goodbye. And um, my, my grandmother said to her mother, she said, why am I getting your bag? She said, that lady's obviously better and she said no she just stopped to say goodbye she's on her way to heaven so literally the two women had encountered the spirit on the road but the lady had passed she was on her way to heaven and she just stopped to say goodbye and another time it happened the same lady she um she had a friend who was in hospital and she'd been friends with this lady for many many years since they were young children and she she had walked to Clonmel to visit this lady in hospital it was a long walk at the time but nobody had cars and she spent a couple of hours visiting with this lady in hospital and then she walked home but as she arrived home in the village she met this lady. So she was walking along the road and there was a stone wall, 
you know, between her and the field. And inside the stone wall, her friend was walking towards her. And my mother can remember exactly, you know, her grandmother telling her about the story. And she said, she said, I knew the minute I saw her, she said, and I said to her, what are you doing here? And she said, I just wanted to come and tell you what a good friend you've been to me all these years. She said, we've been through so much together. And she said, you're the only person that's come to see me in hospital. She said, you're the only one that took the time. And she gave her a big hug and she said, I'll never forget you. And so my um, grandmother continued walking into the village and she went straight to the family house. And she arrived just before the priest because the that nobody had telephones back in, in those days in the villages. So the priest would get the phone call from the hospital to say this person had passed away. So my grandmother arrived just before the priest who had come to tell the family that their um, loved one had passed. So she met her. Yeah. So this was a common occurrence for my great grandmother. So she would see spirit a lot. So a lot of people, um, as I say, she didn't have um, a phone or anything in the house. So people used to come and queue up outside her little cottage in the village from like six o'clock in the morning, waiting to get a reading from her. Like she was very well known. And my mother, my mother can remember going out with her grandmother, like doing the shopping or whatever, back in the days where you used to go on holidays to your grandmother's house, you know, and uh, she used to go shopping with her grandmother. And she said, you'd be walking like through the village or whatever, and people would be putting their palms, their hands out in front of her going, what's happening here? What's, you know, what's going to happen with this? <laughs> Just to get readings off her on the street. So she was quite well known around for her readings as well. So I, I, I feel myself that I was very, very lucky to have had this background. Although I think I was two when my great grandmother passed away, I don't have any living memories of her. And then I was seven when my own nanny passed away, my own grandmother. Now she was teaching me to read um, tea leaves at the time that she passed. So I got a good background from her. Um, and unfortunately, she was only 56 when she passed. So she was very young when she passed. So I, I really felt that I missed out a lot with her. However, I do know that she helps me a lot, but she's somebody that never comes through in readings. This year actually marks 40 years since she passed. She died in 1982 and she's never come through in a reading never. And this lady, people find it hard, and I'm not going to tell you what you should or you shouldn't believe, but a lot of people find it hard to marry their religious beliefs with their spiritual beliefs. And my grandmother was the most religious person that you would ever meet. She had such a faith. She had a picture of the Pope in every room of the house. She had statues of Our Lady all over the place. She had more rosary beads than I care to remember, but she had an ultimate belief in life after death, really and truly. But when she was alive, she only read tea leaves for close friends and family because she had 10 children. She didn't have the time to give to the readings. So my great-grandmother, she had less children, but she also took in two children um, during the war. She took in two children that were sent over from London during the war. Bear in mind, this was a family that didn't have anything. So she took in these two little boys and they stayed with her and she raised them. I don't know the full story. I think their parents may have been killed during the war, in the first war, obviously, uh, because the two boys went back and both fought in the Second World War. Uh, one joined, well, they both joined the Air Force. One was a pilot and one was a tail gunner. If anybody knows the, the, the Air Force, 
Wars and, and what that means. So, um, and luckily they both survived the war, thank God. So there's a little bit um, of a synopsis of my history uh, and my family. So um, there is um, a lot going on. My grandfather's, as I say, his father used to help out with laying out bodies, but his mother was also very spiritual and she um, was very in touch with the fairies. And she had an instant when she first married my great grandfather, she moved to where he lived and they were farmers and um, she got caught overnight in a fairy fort. She got trapped in a fairy fort overnight. So um, it was harvest time and they were cutting the hay. And so literally my great granddad and his brothers, whatever, they would cut the hay. And then she went out with a wagon in the evening to collect all the bits from around the edge of the field and the bits that were left over. And she stayed in there after dusk. Um, So as it got dark, the, um, what happens in a fairy fort is that the fairies don't like you to be in there on their space, especially after dark. So what they do is they move the gate. So every time she went to the gate, it wasn't where she thought it was and they'd move the gate again. So she ended up sleeping in this wagon overnight until the following morning when she actually could get out of the fairy fort. That's such a brilliant story. Yeah. <laughs> so there's lots of them around Ireland, the fairy forts. I know you've talked about that in, in detail before. We have, but for those that maybe haven't listened to those other episodes, tell us a little bit about the fairy fort. So fairies, I suppose, wouldn't be my um, general area of knowledge. But basically, there's little patches, if you like, of land, okay, generally surrounded by trees. So this was a small kind of field that she was in, okay. Um, There's one actually at the back of my house, okay. And it's like a huge, huge field and... um, the farmer sows crops there all the time. And um, right in the center of the field, it's like a circle of trees. Okay. And it's, it's overgrown and there's bushes and everything in it, but um, nobody will disturb us because if you disturb the fairies there, it's supposed to bring bad luck. So for example, uh, where I live, there's a lot of hunting that goes on. Okay. So um, you see people on a Sunday um, on their horses, hunting foxes and stuff. Okay. And that's something that I've ever taken part in, but it does happen around. And some of the farmers let them on, on their land and some don't. But there was a day last summer where they actually ended up in the field at the back of our house. It doesn't belong to us. But this field where the fairy forts, if you can imagine, it's a very lush field, um, but right in the centre of an undisturbed patch because people would call it superstition. I would personally would not disturb it. OK, I mean, there's motorways and everything that are rooted around these. OK, but that's the feeling of the bad luck that they bring. So the the hunt chased this fox into the fairy fort. OK, the dogs followed the fox in, but the horses would not go in. The horses all refused to go into this like little circle of trees. Only the dogs went in there. And I think, you know, I don't know, but I don't, I'm not inside the brain of a dog, but I think the dogs were just running and just kept running without thinking. But the horses literally refused. They just stopped dead in the field and wouldn't even go within three meters of this fairy fort. So there's definitely something there because I think animals are very, very perceptive. If you want to know if there's something going on in your house, bring a cat or a dog or some animal into the house or into the room. You will know immediately if there's something going on there. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's interesting you talk about this fairy fort and you said the fairies don't like you to be there after dark. And it's very interesting. Once upon a time back in the day, I had an allotment in London. It was just a little patch of land that I used to grow fruit and veg on for fun. And um, in the winter months, when the nights began to draw in, I would come to the time where it was getting dusk and there's just this overpowering feeling would come over me like I have to leave now I have to go immediately I cannot be here and it, I couldn't describe it and until you just said that just now I I could never really understand what that was but I really do feel it was a time it's that dusk time yes. that something very important needs to be done this is their time yeah yeah, it's their time to come out and, you know, that they own the, the field or the area or whatever, and they can come out and, and, you know, do whatever. Now, there's lots of books. There's actually um, a lady uh, that lives not too far from me who's written a whole book about fairies and, and the legends about fairies and, and all the rest of it. So, I mean, I really would have to defer, you know, the deeper meaning to those people because it's not something that I've researched or had a lot of um, experience with. But I know that you don't mess with a fairy fort and you don't especially go near it after dark. But like that, because you're so spiritual, you get the feeling yourself, you know, that you're not supposed to be there. But you can see them if you're driving um, around Ireland, you will see a lot of them. The roads are rooted around them. You know, house plans are moved because of them. And they literally just sit in the middle of fields untouched. And people wonder, well, why do they not plough that one area of land, you know, right in the middle of um, a field? And that's why, you know, because it is the fairy fort. Gives me the shivers, honestly. Yeah, you know, it can bring a lot of bad luck. Yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely fascinating. Let's go back. Can we go back a little bit over mm, some of the things sure. you've just said there? Because because mm. all of this just fascinates me. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think you're so lucky to have this understanding in your family. You talked there about the banshee visiting uh, yeah. the neighbours and that you're um, what, one of your member of your family. I can't remember whether it was your grandfather or grandfather's father. My great-grandfather, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, your great-grandfather who saw this spirit coming to visit the neighbours and you said that they f the banshee follows people with an O or a Mac in their name. Do you know why yes. that is specifically or, or does everybody else not get followed or, or what happens? You know, I think that they do. There is this um, understanding that anybody with an O or a Mac in their name, but everybody in Ireland has an O in their name. Historically, everybody's an O something or a knee something, okay? Because it's the Irish name. O means son of and knee means daughter of. So everybody in Ireland would have had those names until we were, I suppose, I don't know what you want to call it. We became part of Britain and we weren't allowed to speak Irish. We weren't allowed to, to use the O in the name. So, for example, even though I'm burned, I'm only burned, I'm only burned by marriage. But, um, you know, it, before uh, my husband's grandfather, it was always O'Burn. So the O's were dropped by certain generations because of, you know, it was it was very frowned upon to use it. And if you go back before, you know, 1921, we weren't allowed to use it. So technically, we're all O something here in Ireland. But for some reason, it said that they follow anybody with O or Mac in the name. Why? I honestly would be lying if I if I gave a guess, um, because I really couldn't be sure. But they're the only people that seem to report 
them having heard or seen the banshee. So technically what the banshee is, so she is a spirit and she's a woman. Okay. She's a female and she sits outside the house of the person who is going to pass. And she said to comb her hair. So she's got really long hair and she combs her hair and she wails. So you hear this wailing, wailing sound outside. Some people just hear her. Some people see her. My my great-grandfather would have seen her a lot, okay? And even with my own grandfather, his brother died very young. He had, I can't remember what you call, they used to call them blue children, something used to make some heart condition or some virus that they used to get at the time used to turn their lips blue and that. So he'd been in hospital for like three or four months. And then when he came home, he wanted some fresh air. So my grandfather, my great grandfather took him outside and sat him in at the side of the field, wrapped in a blanket and told him to stay there because he wasn't supposed to exert himself, but he was allowed to get fresh air. So my grand, my great grandfather was going around and he was plowing the field. And of course, being a 13 year old boy, this boy felt I want to do something. So he tried to climb the tree while his father was at the other side of the field and he had a heart attack and passed um, while when when he did this. So my grandfather lost a brother when he was very young. And um, so, you know, they had all heard, it was a couple of nights before, but they'd all heard this. And, you know, the first instinct when you hear this is that somebody older in your family is going to pass, don't you? You don't think of the young people and especially the fact that he'd just come home from hospital they said he was going to be okay and you automatically start to think of the older people you know it's just it's just human nature so it's not always easy to know exactly who is going to pass you probably know that yourself from your experience you know i think you know everybody that's listened i'm sure would have heard of princess diana of england and um i remember um i can't remember what was i 22 or 23 when she died and i had a dream um, and uh, about two nights before she passed, that there was a death and that for some reason, you know, that Princess um, Harry and Prince William were told and I could see a funeral. And I I thought in my dream that it was Princess Diana. But when I was telling my um, husband, he's my husband now, but when I was telling him about it the following day, he said, oh, well, it has to be the Queen Mother, you know, because she was really old at the time. He said, sure, Diana is only in her 30s. It's not going to be her. But lo and behold, a couple of days later, it was Diana. So it's very hard, you know, yourself to read the signs always and know that this is exactly who it's going to be. But um, yeah, it's very, um, a lot of people reported, I suppose, I haven't really looked into it as to why exactly it's the O's. I really couldn't say. Um, people would say, oh, yeah, but the banshee, the, the, that calling is just foxes yowling outside. What, do you, what yeah. do you say about that? I mean, you know, if I always say, you know, people are going to believe what you want to believe. I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I can only tell them of our experiences. Yeah. And it happened to me here a few years ago in my house, and I was up half the night even though technically I don't have O in my name. So this is actually a good example. Um, and I was up half the night and I could hear howling. And I actually put it on Facebook, you know, I'm awake, there's howling outside. I'm afraid it might be the banshee. I'm, you know, even you and I will be scared to look out the window and see if we can see the banshee. And everybody's like, oh, it's just a fox. It's just a fox or whatever. But my father-in-law passed away a couple of days later, very suddenly totally unexpected. He was only a couple of weeks after his 65th birthday and he passed away um, at home in his apartment in London uh, of a heart attack. 
So, um, you know, you can ignore it, but it doesn't mean that you're going to stop what's going to happen happening. Well, I, I find it very interesting, you see, because um, I thought once upon a time I was going mm. bonkers. I came out of a parent's evening with my son, who was probably about 12, 13 at the time. And it was in um, northwest of London, a, a little park called Harrow. So we came out of the school and I was walking back to my car and all I can describe it as was this huge, shaggy black dog. It was so big that sort of a size dog couldn't exist in this physical world. And it crossed like a shadow slinking across the road right in front of my eyes. Wow. And I grabbed my son and I said, oh my gosh, can you see that dog? He couldn't see it. Yeah. And and I just had this overwhelming feeling that it was to do with my father and my father was going to pass away. And sure enough, that is what came to pass. Um, and I've mm -hmm. seen that dog a second time in my house, in not in my house in London. But I came out the front door and I walked past somebody else's house and I saw the black dog again, that huge, I don't know if you call it a grim or a, some big black shadowy dog grim thing. And he yeah. came out of this house. Actually, he was walking into the house. He walked into the house. And sure enough, the lady there passed away. So I find it really fascinating. Mm -hmm. You talk about the banshee. I hear foxes yowling all the time outside in London, especially. Yes, um, but I really feel that there is something that we can see between worlds that in informs us. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I have to agree with you. And, you know, you talking about that has just reminded me, if you don't mind, if I share another um, incident, um, my uncle, that I was very, very close to. Um, my mother was a single mother and raised me and my sister on her own. So we were very, very close, obviously, to her family. And a lot of her younger brothers and sisters, of course, she was uh, the fifth of 10 children. So there were a lot of younger than her. So we were raised with younger ones like brothers and sisters. So my uncle, Kevin, uh, we were very close to. And when I was 14, my grandfather passed away, my mother's father, and he had come to live with us because he was a widower and he had cancer. So he passed away and we had the funeral and everything. And my uncle Kevin um, had been left the home house. And I spent a few weeks out there with him while he was getting the house ready to move into, you know, because it hadn't been lived in a little while because my granddad was living with us. So, um, I was out there with him. So one night, it was, I believe, Wednesday night. It was a small cottage and it was about, it's about four or five miles from town. And um, my uncle jumped in his van and he ran into town to, well, he drove into town to get, um, you know, some milk and bread or whatever. And we were getting ready to have dinner. So when he came back in, he ran in the door and he said, everybody, come, come and look at this. He said, there's a bird outside. It's like an albatross. So and literally across the road from the cottage, there's, it, there was a deep wood. We always played it when we, when we were young. And the trees were right upside the road. And there was a canopy of trees literally over the road. And there was this massive bird. Now, we didn't see it. When we all came back out, it was gone. 
But he said, he said, I've never seen a bird like this. He said it was like an albatross. He said the size of this bird, he said, and it was so big, it was actually weighing the branch of the tree right down to the road. But he said, I took a picture of it because his fiance at the time always had a camera on hand. She was brilliant for taking photographs. He said, I grabbed the camera. He said, I hopped out and I took a picture of it. So he left those days. It was 1989. Those days you had to leave a film into the chemist for 48 hours to get your photos back. We didn't have digital cameras back then. So he left the the film into the chemist and he was away. He was racing. He used to race motorbikes. And he, on the Saturday morning, he lived actually in Limerick. So he was driving from Limerick to where he was racing up outside Mullingar in County Westmeath. And um, his fiancée told us that morning, she said every single magpie that was in the country must have landed on the road in front of them. She said they were they were literally flying at the van. They were literally on the road, daring us to drive over them. She said, I've never in my whole life seen so many birds. And unfortunately, he had a fatal crash that afternoon. He was 31 years old and he passed away um, that afternoon. So when she collected the photos from the chemist early the following week, the only picture that didn't come out on that roll of film was the one he took of the bird. It didn't come out. Every other photo came out perfect except the one he took of the bird. That gives me shivers all over Mm -hmm. my body. Yeah. And um, as I say, the birds, she said, they were literally just flying at the van. They were flying at the front of the van, the back of the van, you know, the windscreen. They were just all over the place. And they said they'd never seen anything like it. And he had had a dream as well. And I don't forget, he's my uncle and his mother and and, um, my grandmother was his mother. So, you know, he came from the same lineage as I had. And that Friday night before they left for the racing, he didn't sleep a wink. He told her that um, now this was a fit man. He was 31 years old. He only drank socially. He didn't smoke. He went to the gym quite often. He was into his weightlifting. He always watched what he ate and he could not sleep. And he said, I had this dream last night. He said that something was chasing me. He said, and no matter how fast I ran, I couldn't get away from this person and he ran a lot he used to jog and he used to run a lot as well very into his fitness because of the racing and um he said i just get this funny feeling that something's coming for me now he wrote it down to to stress because the following monday he was supposed to sign a huge contract which he had his own business it would have catapulted his business into the stratosphere and he he kind of thought that maybe this was just the stress of, you know, um, you know, the extra work and whatever he was taking on the responsibility, if you like. But no, we really believe that it was all signs that his time here was coming to an end. Yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I love You don't think that someone's going to go at 31, do you? No, no, absolutely not. Not at all. And I was going to say to you, until we've talked further, I was going to ask you, do you think that in this modern day, it's more difficult for us to be as in tune as the generations before because we're so overwhelmed with our notifications on our phones and things like that and yet I know a million percent that I saw that grim that black dog twice completely out of the blue when I was just going about my business it just suddenly came out of nowhere and those Mm -hmm. two people passed away afterwards I know that for an absolute fact and so maybe we are still close I don't know what are your thoughts on it I agree 120%. We are because um, 
you know, we have television, we have computers, we have calculators. We don't even have to use as much of our brain as we used to, to do the little things anymore. Okay. So um, my grandmother was a huge believer. I mean, they didn't have obviously television when, you know, the kids were very small. Um, they only got television at some stage in the 60s, I, I believe, in, in the house. But even when we were small, she was always very... Um, you know, aware that to turn off the television in the evening time and sit down as I ha have a family and talk. And I can remember I was all sitting down around the stove in my grandmother's house, just exchanging stories about things that we'd experienced, whatever. Some of them would be spiritual, some of them wouldn't. And in our house in town, we were very close to our next door neighbours, um, beautiful family. And, and the mother there, um, I, I was very, very close to. And again, this lady had originally, she trained to be a nun. She spent years in a convent, um, you know, as a, a student nun. And just before she took her final vows, she got really, really sick. So she was actually in the Isle of Man uh, as a nun. And the mother superior sent her home to recuperate before she took her final vows. She came home, met the man she eventually married, and the rest is history. But she was also really, really spiritual. So even when we were in town and not at my grandparents' house, we used to have what we just call story nights, where we just sit down and chat. We'd have no radio on, we'd have no television on, nothing. And of course, back in those days when I was a teenager, we didn't have the internet, you know. Um, so we just used to talk. And she herself had so many stories about, you know, about experiences that she had had. So one that always stuck out with me, because it just really um, struck with me when I was a child, was the fact that her brother had passed. So when she went to um, see her dad before they buried her brother with him, as she was leaving the graveyard, of course, she went to make sure, you know, you, you go and you say, Daddy, please make sure you look after him. You know, um, I'm so worried about him. I hope he's okay. I hope you've met him, all this kind of stuff. And as she walked out of the graveyard, she heard her dad's footsteps behind her and she knew it was him because he had a limp and he slightly dragged one of his legs so she knew the walk you know and I remember her telling us that story and you know I think it's important that we share these experiences with other people because otherwise people tend to write things off as their imagination as coincidences you know they start to think like me thinking that I was schizophrenic when I was um, younger you know because especially with children nobody wants to be different so therefore if you're not talking about what you're experiencing and believe me more people around you are experiencing that too but nobody's talking about it um because my cousin, um, her her dad was my mother's brother. I remember as teenagers, we were always together. We were just stuck together. Either she slept at my house or I slept at her house. And she said to me one night, Sandy, I need to talk to you. And I said, why? What's wrong? And she said, I hear people. She said, I hear people talking at me all the time. And I just said, oh, thank God for that, because I can see them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. We just don't open up enough. And we think that people are going to think that we're mad. Okay. But I think you have to take that leap of faith because there's an Irish saying, I don't know, do you use it over there? But we always say anybody who knows you knows you better and anyone who doesn't, you don't care about. Okay. So the ones that know you, they know you're not mad. They know it's coming from experience and likely they'll, they'll relay their own experiences. And this chat time that not enough people 
have, in my opinion. Okay, I'm sure there are people out there that do, but I have always made it a point. I'm not a perfect parent, don't get me wrong, but I've always made a point that we all sit down to dinner together, no phones, no telly, nothing. And we talk about everything that's gone on during the day and what we've experienced or anything. Um, And I have two boys and I don't know, do you find with your son that he has spiritual experience because I have loads to share about my boys. Oh, share away. Yes, I do. And I'm, I was the same as well with my children. Again, it was the way I was brought up. We sit around the tea table, the dinner table, whatever we're eating at the end of the day. And we discuss things. The phones are banned. Nobody is able to, we have to talk to each other. And yeah, it was lovely. We used to, it's real sharing time. I think it's really important for families as well, but all kinds of things come out when you're having these just very informal um, chats together. Yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah, my, my, both my children are very spiritual. Um, Tell, tell me about yours. Well, um, Um, Both of them are spiritual, but I have a story that is my favorite about my youngest boy, um, Charlie. Now, um, we have an older boy. There's eight years between my two boys. So we have Donica, who's my oldest son. He's 21 currently. So he was our honeymoon baby. He was born two weeks before our first wedding anniversary. And then it took us eight years before we had Charlie. So we had four miscarriages between the two boys. And then I had two miscarriages after I had Charlie. So we're so lucky to have them. They're both here and they're both healthy. But when Charlie was about three, so we moved into this house where we're currently living when Donica was two. Okay. So there was not even a thought of having Charlie at that point. So when Charlie was at the age, about two and a half, three, you know, where they're totting around and they're starting to put sentences together and all of this. So he was in the conservatory off the kitchen and I was kind of just, you know, uh, faffing about. And next thing I looked out and there he was and he was knocking on the wall. There's a very low wall between obviously below the window. And um, he was knocking on this wall and putting his ear up against the wall. And I was like, what are you doing? And he said, I'm looking for Brother Stody. Okay, so one, he couldn't say the name Donica, so he used to call him brother. And Adodi was my eldest son's name for his soother because he couldn't say soother or dummy. He used to call it Dodi when he was young. Charlie never took a dummy ever. So he didn't know what a Dodi was. So I was like, I was looking at him with a really confused look at my face. And I says, what do you mean? And he said, brother dropped his Dodi in here. And then it dawned on me when the house was being built, we came out one evening to see the progress on the house. And my son dropped his dummy in the cavity of the wall. Okay, so he was two years old. He dropped his dummy in the cavity of the wall and we laughed and we said, leave it there. You'll always be a part of the house. And subsequently, we forgot about it. So here we are six, about nine years later. And the, uh, my youngest then was knocking on the wall. And I literally, I sat down on the on the couch in the conservatory and I was like, wow, how did he know that? I had completely forgotten. Next thing he ran and jumped at me, right? And you know when they jump on top of you and you nearly fall over? And he gave me this big hug. And I said, wow, I said, I'm such a lucky mammy to get hugs like this. What did I do to deserve it? And he said, oh. he went like this, oh. Kevin told me to give you that hug, he said, and I totally forgot. And I was like, what? And I was like, who's Kevin? I said, you know, is Kevin somebody at the crash or whatever? And he 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 
like leaned back and looked at me out of the corner of his eye. And he said, you know, Kevin, that died off of the motorbike, he said to me, my uncle that died when I was uh, just gone 15. And he was only young. I hadn't spoken to him about Kevin or told him about Kevin or anything. When this picture's up around the house, but we, I never said, oh, he died off a motorbike, you know. And um, I looked at him and I said, when did Kevin tell you this? And he said, when I was in heaven and I was choosing you to be my mammy, he told me that you were going to be the best mammy ever. And he said, and he said, my brothers and sisters that didn't get to be born, he said, they told me that I'd picked a good mammy. Oh, how would he know that goodness. I had miscarriages? Well, mm-hmm. he wouldn't. No. And he told me, and so he gave me a big hug and a big kiss from Kevin. And um, then a few years later, in 2017, uh, God rest my poor father-in-law that I had spoken about who passed away suddenly. Um, so my father-in-law, my husband was born and raised to, uh, Irish parents in London. And I imported him here when he became an adult. <laughs> I brought him back. Uh, I had worked in London for a few years myself and I brought him back to Ireland with me. So my father-in-law um, was divorced from um, my mother-in-law and he had an apartment in London. So one Monday morning, we were getting, uh, well, I say we we're getting ready for school. We were getting up. It was um, about 25 past seven. And I heard this, you know, when you've got um, a child. So Charlie must have been about, I don't know, nine. And you could hear this, you know, across the landing, you know, like the steps across yeah, the landing. And uh, he burst into my bedroom. Now, my husband goes to work every morning at half five. So he was long gone. And um, the alarm was due to go off at half seven. And he burst open the door of my bedroom and he said, where's, where's granddad? He said to me, and I was like, well, he definitely ain't in here wherever he is. And I said, granddad's not here. He's in London. And he said, no, he's here. He said, and you didn't even tell me that granddad was here. And he just came into my bedroom to say goodbye to me. And I said, granddad's not here. I said, he's in London. He wasn't here. He said he was here. Next thing I know, I was having this argument with the youngest, the oldest come out of his bedroom, who was 17 at the time, typical teenager, walking across the land and scratching himself, yawning, came into the bedroom and he said, I didn't know granddad was in Ireland. And I said, he's not. And he said, he is. He said, he just came into my bedroom. And I said, he's not here. And he said, he is, he said, because he bent over and he kissed me and he said, goodbye. And he said, I even felt that he's the zip of his coat on my face. So we used to make fun of my poor father-in-law because he had this coat and it was like a fisherman's jacket almost. It had all these zips on it. And he liked to keep his glasses in one pocket, his phone in the other pocket, a hanky in the other pocket, you know. And we used to make fun of the, the picking of, of the zips. And he said, the zip of his jacket, he said, hit me in the face when he bent over to kiss me and I could hear his walking stick. And he said, he, he just said goodbye and that he loves me. And I said, well, the two of you must have had the same dream, I said, because granddad's not here. I said, now, come on, chop, chop, let's get ready for school. So it was quick whiz around the house, get ready for school, breakfast, whatever. So I just dropped, I used to drop the youngest fella to school first and then the eldest fella. So about 20 past eight or so, I had dropped the younger fella. He'd literally just gone into the gate of the school when the phone rang. My father-in-law had passed at 10 past seven that morning. So at 25 past seven, he was in our house saying goodbye. At the time, they were the only grandchildren that he had. He has another granddaughter now, but at the time, they were the only grandchildren that he had. What a beautiful story. Mm. And what did your children say to you when you said, you know, he did actually pass away this morning? 
they both just went. I left the younger fellow at school for the day because there was no point in dragging him out of school and upsetting him. Mm-hmm. The oldest fellow was there when I got the phone call, so he was upset. But he just said to me, he said, I told you granddad came to say goodbye to me this morning. Just, well, I told you so. just beautiful that he came mm. to say goodbye and they had that yeah. from their grandfather that is just 100%. extraordinary yeah so sad but nice at the same time you know that he did come to say goodbye I agree with you they'd always have that so it's beautiful so let's talk about you Sandy um because you are a psychic medium and you're yes. reading for people tell us a little bit about the uh, if somebody wanted to come to you for a reading what sort what sort of things are you offering Okay, so um, I'm doing all my readings online. Um, I'm also a trans medium and trans healer, but I haven't been doing that for a while because with personal circumstances, um, my mother's been quite ill the last few years. She's battling cancer still. So I've kept all my business online. So at the moment, I'm just offering psychic and mediumship readings online. I say just. <laughs> and um, so I assume your listeners know the difference between a psychic and a medium reading. So, well, why don't you explain it as well? Because yeah. some people may not, and this may be the very first episode they've ever listened to. So that would be very no interesting. Problem. Thank you. So in a simple way, a psychic is someone who reads the energy of the living and a medium is someone who reads the energy of the dead. Okay. So a psychic is someone that would read you what's going on in life, what's coming up in the future. The medium just, I say just in inverted commas, just talks to dead people. So that's just like having a conversation with your loved ones that have passed, getting their opinion on things, finding out what's going on for them, who they're with, and gaining evidence of life after death. Okay. Whereas if you want answers about what's going on for you, what's coming up, the best route to take, that's the psychic reading. Okay. Because your um, your loved ones in spirit can give you their opinion on something, but it doesn't mean that it's right or that it's gospel. You need to get the psychic reading if you're looking for advice on life. So in short, that's the difference between the two. So I offer both. So the psychic readings that I do, they're an in-depth reading. So it's a three-year reading. It's a, a mixture of tarot cards and a numerology forecast. So um, I would give people, as well as an in-depth tarot card reading, I give people a three-year month-by-month forecast of what's coming up for them. Okay. And then with the mediumship reading, we just see and speak to whoever comes through. Okay. I can't promise anybody. I know everybody comes with expectations of this person or that person coming through. No medium can promise anybody in particular. It depends what the energy is like. Um, you know yourself, we get good results, but you can never promise anybody. You know, there's a lot of things um, going on. You know, if someone's depressed, if they're under pressure, if they've just had a bereavement, there's lots of things that can affect the energy. But um, yeah, it's a good way to get closure from the mediumship. It really is a good way to get closure. From, and are you, uh, are you teaching as well, Sandy? Sorry to interrupt you there. No, you're absolutely fine. Yes, I, I've I've um, taught some courses. I've just finished um, a six-week beginners, our introduction course, um, which covered a bit of psychic and mediumship. And I offer one-to-one mentorship as well. So all details obviously would be on the, the website if anybody's interested in that or contact me for one-to-one coaching, uh, which I do with a lot of people. Um, because, you know, um, everybody learns at different rates and everybody has different experiences. So the one-to-one can be very tailored um, for people and it can get them, you know, um, I suppose on their spiritual journey a lot quicker than sitting through a class with other people. So the, the one-to-one coaching is very, very popular at the moment. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And you've got a picture on your website of you holding up a trophy, which says winner medium of the year. Tell us about that. So I won a trophy last year and I won it again this year. So it's it's prestige awards. So they're a company that um, does, you know, small business owners like you or I. So they recognize the efforts that we put out and, um, you know, because there's lots of corporate events and, and you know, um, I suppose awards for bigger companies that, that are on the international stage, whereas you and I hardly ever get reg- reg- um, recognized for anything. So this um, company, they, they monitor um, a lot of the smaller companies, but you generally get nominated by maybe a customer or something like this. So I'd never heard of this company. So it just so happened that one of my customers nominated me for this award and um they um then they look into to the business what you're doing what you're putting out there they get people to vote so as it happened I won this award last year um I won it again this year I'm delighted to say so they kept monitoring the business and I started my own podcast if you don't mind me saying so um during the lockdown for people and we did regular lives and we had people you know offering healing and self-help and all kinds of stuff I had them live on my Facebook page during the pandemic to help people to get through this you know, it really was um, an exceptional year. Well, two years, I suppose. And um, a lot of people were in a lot of dark places. So I tried as much as I could to help people through this. So they they rang me up and said, look, we, we never give this award um, two years running to anybody because we like to recognize as many people, but we wanted to recognize, you know, the effort that you've put out. So um, I got that award and I won a second award as well this year, um, an Irish Enterprise Award for 2022. So look, they don't mean anything. They don't mean that I'm any better a medium or a psychic than anybody else. You know, they don't mean that I'm any more special than anybody else, but it just means that somebody's recognized something that I've done and that they have, um, I suppose, gelled with that in some way and appreciated the effort. Okay. So I, even though I was delighted to receive them, because you will know that when you're working by yourself, you feel very isolated and you wonder if you're making a difference at all, because that's all we're here for is to make a difference and to spread the word of spirituality. So it doesn't make me any better than anybody else. I do want to point that out. Okay. I don't necessarily think that I'm special just because I got an award, but it is nice to be recognized. And it's a confidence boost because I'm sure a lot of people that listen to you have been on a spiritual journey. Maybe they've done some circles, some development, whatever, you know, um, mediumship and psychic work is all about confidence. Confidence and trust. They're the two things, confidence in yourself and trust in your spirit guides. And if you've got those two things, then you're a good medium, in my opinion. I just want to say congratulations for those awards because I think they're amazing. And I think I'm so thrilled for you. I think it's brilliant to be recognized in that way. So congratulations. That's that's massive. And I'm I'm thrilled for you. Thank and secondly, you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Yes. And secondly, we want to listen to good podcasts. We want to learn about things. Yes. And my listenership will want to listen to your podcast too. So can you tell us what your podcast is called? Yes. So it's Life After Life with Sandy Byrne. Um, and it's available on all the means, Apple, Google, I broadcast from Podbean, but it's also, I have it embedded onto my website. So sandyburn.com and click the podcast link and you'll get all the episodes there. Fantastic. Um, and just before we finish, Sandy, because you've given us a lot of your time, I won't keep you, but um, we spoke about 
or you certainly spoke to me about how people read in different ways. I just wonder if we could finish by sort of speaking about that a little bit. Yeah, 100%. You know, I get a lot of phone calls, inquiries, emails, whatever, um, about how do I read? You know, do I use tarot cards? Do I use tea leaves? People looking for palm readings, whatever. So I just want to let people know that, you know, it doesn't matter how somebody is reading you. Okay. So for example, when I started reading years ago, I didn't used to use anything, but people liked to see something. So I started using tarot cards. Okay. Now I've never read a book on tarot cards. I've never done a course on tarot cards. I just bought a deck of tarot cards that I felt that I could connect with and started reading. So my grandmother, as I said, she read tea leaves. OK, and she was teaching me tea leaves. God rest her at the time she passed away. And her mother, my great grandmother, she used to read palms. And my great great grandmother, she used to read bones and stones. So it's a really old way of reading. And, you know, Dolly Parton has a song about these old. Is it these old bones? I think the song is called. So. Each lady in my family has read a different, they've used a different modality to read, okay? But the readings are all the same, okay? There's no difference in the way that we read. So it doesn't matter. I've been, I I worked in Canada and there was a guy that used to travel around there and he used to hold people's hair to connect with them. All people are doing is they're using something. It doesn't matter if it's a crystal ball or whatever, they're using something to connect with your energy. Okay. Now I was interviewed on Canadian television and I said this, and I got a lot of backlash from readers, but it's my opinion that whatever we're using to read, it's only a distraction. Okay. Because when I used to see people at my home, I, I just had a few crystals on my desk. Okay. So because everybody that comes in, they're like, okay, well, I'm not going to give anything away with my body language or my face. And they'd sit there, you know, we stalk. So when they'd come in and they'd see some crystals or whatever on the desk, they go, oh, that's a pretty color. What's that? And the minute something took their attention away, it left their energy wide open to be read. So no matter what people are doing, it's taking your attention because people are there and they're looking at the tarot cards or they're waiting to see a picture come up on the um on the crystal ball, or they're looking at their hand to see the lines. And when their attention is taken away, bam, their energy is wide open for the reader to read. So you could say it's just a distraction. I did a psychic course some years ago, and we read each other to tissues. So the lady went around with a box of tissues, and we all took a tissue fresh out of the box, and we scrunched it up and held it in our hand. Okay. Then after a few minutes of explaining the exercise and everything, we passed it to the person on our left and that person had to read us using this tissue. Okay. And we got the most accurate readings. Why? Because everybody was looking at the tissue wondering, where is she getting that from? You know, and it left our energy wide open. So it doesn't matter if you're looking for a reading. I mean, unless you specifically have a preference, which I totally understand. Okay. Some people like in-person readings, not online. Some people like tarot cards, not crystal balls. That's absolutely fine. But if you don't have a preference and you're just looking for a good reading, you know, look at somebody's reviews rather than how they read because the readings should be the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's brilliant. And it's very well described. So thank you very much for that, Sandy. And it makes me think, you know, when I started off years ago, 
I was the tarot person. I just yeah. adored tarot. But what I found, as I, and I'm now teaching um, ancient divination and scrying techniques. Wow. So it's interesting. We were doing tea leaf readings and we're reading stones and bones and things. And it's uh, so the same. It's, yeah, and it is exactly the same. But what, what I find is when I'm working, I can pick up some fantastic information using these psychic tools. Yes. But equally, if I'm in a reading with somebody, I find them a little bit constrictive. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would rather not use anything at all and just sit with that person and tune into their energy. But I love your top tip here about getting them their energy field open. Yes. I love that, where they're distracted 100%. a little bit. Because what I say to people when I'm teaching, and I'm sure you say the same thing, if you're going to get something psychically, it's going to come straight head on to you. If you're getting something from spirit, it generally comes in from the sides. And you are going to get, you know, the odd one that will be slightly different. But if you just think of that, then you can tell the difference between what you're getting from somebody psychically and what you're getting from them mediumistically. Because the one thing that I'm always, and this happened to me for the first time, actually, in the last few weeks, I had a lot going on. It was just like one of the busiest weeks I'd had in a long time. By the time I got to Friday, I was exhausted. And I was reading this lady and her mother came through, I thought, but then when I sat back and I realized and I said to myself, where's this energy coming from? And it was hitting me head on. So I knew I was getting this information psychically. And I said to her, I'm sorry, but I'm not reading you. And she said, you are. The information you give me is exactly right. And I said, but I'm getting it from you, not from your mother. Because when she was sitting there, she was sitting there thinking, please, ma'am, come through. Please, ma'am, I just need a message from you today. Please, ma'am, please. You know, and she had this picture in front of her of her mother at her brother's wedding. Okay, I couldn't see the picture, but she had it on the desk in front of her. So as I was reading her, I was saying, okay, your mother's your mother is here. She's only passed three years. And I can see her dressed in this blue dress with this certain pattern on and everything. And then I realized, okay, I'm actually getting this from her, not from her mother. And I, I was able to say to her, I'm getting this psychically. So it's so important that people understand what they're getting psychically and what they're getting mediumistically because they are two different energies, you know, so just that people are aware of that. And, you know, honesty, I think, is always the best policy because I said to that lady, OK, well, I can refund you, I said. And she said, no, would you read me another day when you're not so tired? So I read her a few days later, her mother came through, no problem at all. OK, so I think honesty as well in our profession is the main, main thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, and and wonderful that you've highlighted that. I think that's really brilliant. Yeah, it's very yeah. important. It is really important that we know that we're not putting words in spirit's mouth. That's the key. Yes. Yeah, we should be given what we're getting, although I was getting it, but I was able to recognize that I was getting it psychically and not mediumistically. Because, um, you know, we, we always look when we're talking about spirit, we always look at it as a hierarchy and one being above another. We know logically that they live parallel to us not above us but it's an easy way for people to picture it so if you picture that above us is what we get the next level up energy wise is psychic then you have to raise your energy even more to get to the mediumistic level and just because I was so tired you know I'd just done so many readings that week I couldn't raise my energy enough and you know there's nothing wrong with admitting yeah. that because yeah. we're not perfect yeah, that's great. That's absolutely fantastic. So, Sandy, it's been wonderful talking to you. If people want to find you, just once again, if you could let us know your website. 
Sure. So it's sandyburn.com. So it's Sandy with an IE, like Sandy Shaw. I was named after a UK singer called Sandy Shaw. So it's S-A-N-D-I-E-B-Y-R-N-E.com. And you'll find all the, the contact information there. Fantastic. Once again, Sandy, thank you so very much for joining us on Psychic Matters. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Sandy Byrne there, everybody. I'm so delighted I'm able to introduce her to you all. Her website is sandyburn.com, S-A-N-D-I-E-B-Y-R-N-E.com. Go over there, go get yourself a reading with her. She does all her readings online all around the world. An incredible woman from generation upon generation of readers. Most definitely go and check her out. I'm afraid that's all I've got time for this week. Well, I've got plenty of time, actually. I'd love to chat to you all day, but one has to bring an episode to an end. (laughs) So uh, that's it for this week. I've got some brilliant guests lined up for you. Beautiful interviews all lined up. I just can't wait to meet all these fabulous people. I'm so lucky. I'm just so blessed to be able to meet these wonderful experts in their field and bring their work to you, the listener. I'm just delighted I'm able to facilitate that for all of us. So if you are enjoying this podcast, please do leave a written review. Written reviews really help the podcast climb up the podcast charts. And that means more people get to listen to the content, which is a win-win all round. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to next week's episode already, even though I haven't made it yet. And it's going to take ages to get it together. And I'm now behind because I've been visiting my mum in Ireland and she had no Wi-Fi and everything. Everything's all like stacked up in terms of workload. (laughs) Um, But once I plough through it all, I look forward to bringing you further episodes. For now, my name is Anne Teato, and thank you so very much for listening to Psychic Matters.